Hey, this is Pastor Allen. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church of Naples, and we are so happy that you have chosen to join us as we go through God's Word together. God's doing some amazing things here, and we pray that God's Word will transform you from the inside out. Our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ of all peoples. And our hope is, is that you are being a disciple that makes disciples. Now, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us either in person or continuing online as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52, and we're going to look at verse 7, and then we're going to turn to that familiar Lukean story in Luke chapter 2. Let's stand as we read God's Word in Luke chapter, or Isaiah chapter 52 in verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation who says to Zion, your God reigns. Right, now Luke chapter two. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, into heaven the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You may be seated. Today is Christmas Day and the Lord's Day. It is that holy combination. And by you being here today, you get extra credit if there was extra credit, right? <laughs> uh, we won't be able to do this until December 25th, 2033. It happens... Particularly, normally it would happen every seven years, but because of leap year, it kind of changes around. But here's what I hope. I hope when you got up this morning that you got everything you wanted for Christmas. I hope you did. Uh, my kids this year, they got me uh, a gift card from Chick-fil-A <laughs> so that I could take them to buy milkshakes. Uh, my wife, uh, as I told you last night, if you were here, I'm very cheap. So my wife got a new battery for her van for Christmas uh, because it died this week. And uh, we believe in very practical gifts at our house. But there's a joy in giving presents during the Christmas season. You know, parents love to 
give their kids presents. And the one thing you've noticed in the past 10 years, or even longer than that, that parents love taking pictures of their kids' faces when they open those presents, especially when the kid is not expecting to get what they get. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but, but you want to capture that, that moment and, and you want to maybe video record it on your phone. And there your kid opens it up, this thing that you've spent a lot of money on and, and they're not expecting to get. And that, that precious face, only to realize you didn't hit record on the phone. <laughs> Any of you ever done that? And so some of you have your kids reenact the moment, right? <laughs> Because what you want to do is you want to not only have that for your mind, but you want to share it on Instagram and Facebook, and you want to share it with the world, just the joy of seeing your kids experience this great present. You know, as humans, we love to share with others experiences. I mean, what good is it to just have a great experience, to maybe eat at a great restaurant or go on a great vacation or, or, or buy something that was really life-changing? What good is it to have something like that if you can't share it with other people? Well, we live in a world full of bad news. If you don't believe me, just watch the news. And if there ever was a time for the church to share good news, it's now. The world needs to hear the good news of Jesus. And so the Christmas song that we're going to talk about today is Go Tell It on the Mountain. We don't really know exactly who wrote it. It, it. According to what we do understand, it was a spiritual song sang first by the slaves in the South. Imagine hearing in the cotton fields those who were in bondage, human cattle, chattel and chattel slavery, singing the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. It was composed between 1840 and 1860. It became famous on Christmas due to the work of John Wesley Work, uh, who took these spiritual songs and put them and codified them in a hymnal. And this song was first introduced in Nashville, Tennessee in 1907. The chorus of the song, which is very familiar, is Go Tell It on the Mountain, Over the Hills, and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And, and this song is based on two passages of scripture, Isaiah 52, 7, which we read in Luke chapter 2, but it's also connected to the great commission that Jesus gave all believers to share the gospel with everyone, everywhere. So I want to look at three questions as we think about this song and we think about this, the text. And the, the questions are this, who is to tell what are they to tell, and where should they tell it? Real simple, let's walk through it. Number one, who is to tell? The song starts while shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night. The slave who wrote this song felt drawn to the story of the shepherds. Shepherds in Jesus' day were the lowest class and caste of people in Jewish society. They were poor, often uneducated, and they were just flat out weird. Even in today's uh, world of Bedouin shepherd culture, if you go to the Middle East, shepherds are just strange people. Now, in our nativities, we kind of romanticize them, and people want to be shepherds because the shepherds wear the cool outfits, the sashes, and the bandanas. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, I wanted to be the shepherd. But in Jesus' day, the shepherds were basically homeless people. They were dirty, uh, they had very little money, and they smelled like the animals that they kept. 
They stayed up late into the night. They were cold. They were often alone. And their best friends were sheep. Uh, they weren't even considered respectable citizen, uh, citizens. They weren't even allowed to testify in the court of law because they worked seven days a week and were not able to attend synagogue on, the sh- on Sabbath. So the shepherds were the least likely group of people to receive the greatest news the world has ever heard. But the question is, why is it of all the people in the world that God would send angels to lowly shepherds to share this news of Jesus? Here's what I believe God is teaching. It demonstrates the nature of the gospel. Because in coming to the shepherds, God reached down to those whom the world seemed to be at the very bottom. And it shows us that the gospel is for everyone. That there is no one too broken, no one too poor, no one too dirty, no one too insignificant or unwanted for the kingdom of God. See, what's the message of Christmas? The angel says, fear not. I bring to you good news of great joy. Joy, as we've said in this series, is what comes from a right relationship with God. As the song says, God and sinners reconcile. Fear comes from sin. Fear comes from a broken relationship with God. And the news that the angels brought was not the fear of judgment, but the joy of salvation. What the angels were singing is that God is not against you. God is for you. And he has come to be with you so that you can be with him forever. The angel says, fear not, I bring to you good news of great joy, which is for all people, for the crackhead, the sleepyhead, the meathead, and the knucklehead. This news is for you. These shepherds came into the first Christmas not feeling like their lives were awesome. They were outcast, and yet they were the very ones that God chose to give the greatest news. You know, often we play the comparison game. We compare ourselves with others. And we say, you know, well, compared to this person, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Or, you know what, I'm better than so-and-so, and therefore, I'm entitled to certain things. And sometimes we take that and we apply that to our standing with God, and we think, well, you know, compared to Hitler, I'm a pretty good person. You know, compared to Osama bin Laden, I'm a great person. Compared to Joe down the road, I'm a pretty good person. And sometimes we think that, well, God kind of grades on the curve. And if I'm a little bit better than the person next to me, then I get more credit and I earn God's favor more. But that's not the story of the gospel. And some of you come from religious backgrounds where you think that the whole goal in life is to be good enough and to be worthy enough of God's love. And you've been told all your life, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be worthy enough. But here's what you got to get as we think about this good news and who is to tell the story, that the question should never be, how good do I have to be to earn God's favor? That's the wrong question to ask. It's not like there's a scale when you get to heaven that if your good outweighs your bad, then you go to heaven. And if your bad outweighs your good, then you go to hell. Here's the question you should ask. Do I realize that I am so bad that I can never, ever earn God's favor on my own? Because only those who come to the place where they realize that they do not deserve and are not entitled to God's grace and forgiveness are those who can receive it. So who's to tell people who have received the news that they don't deserve? People who have been changed by the news. So what are they to tell? Well, the song continues and the story continues. The song says, down in a lonely manger, our humble Christ was born and brought to us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. The hymn and the hymn writer focuses on the good news of God's promised salvation and relief from suffering. As slaves, 
In the mid-19th century, we're living in horrible conditions, in grave injustice, in a terrible world. They knew that the birth of Jesus Christ would one day usher in a new world in which sin, suffering, and slave masters would no longer reign over them, that Jesus would come and make everything right again. And that's why they sang this song, because they knew that even though they were in physical chains, they were not in spiritual chains, because salvation has come. I mean, hear the message of the angels. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, not a politician, not a military general, not an economist, not an educator, not an actor, but a savior to save us from our misery, our shame, the abuse of brokenness and our world that is totally in disarray. Jesus came to save us from the curse. He came to reverse the curse and to change our lives forever. That's why when the angels gave this announcement to the world, they broke out in praise in verse, 20, in verse 14. They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. They were so in awe that Jesus came to bring peace, peace with God, peace with each other, and peace on earth. It is the good news that you can have a right relationship with God. It's that good news that because you have, can have a right relationship with God, you can then have a right relationship with everything else. And here, until you have a right relationship with God, you're really never going to have a great relationship with other people. Now, I want you to think about this. The angels are singing about this salvation, but did you know that God never sent Jesus to die for the sins of the angels? Do you know that angels sinned against God, and when they sinned against God, they were immediately condemned and cast out for eternity from God's presence, and one day they will be sent totally to hell? And yet God sends Jesus so that humanity can be saved from their sins. It is such a gracious act that God, of God that the angels in heaven can't even comprehend the love of God. See, angels, the Bible says, long to look into. They are intrigued by the salvation of God for man. 1 Peter 1.12 says it, that these are things in which angels long to look. The angels who saw God create the universe and see his face every day long to look deeply at the wonder of God's amazing grace. John Piper says that unfallen angels understand experientially the righteousness and holiness of God, but they have no experience of what it's like to have sinned and been forgiven. If they sin, they're judged eternally, but God in the gospel is merciful to mankind. The angels recognize how precious and significant the gospel is, and instead of responding with envy or questions, they respond with curiosity and worship. The shepherds went to where the angels told them to go. They went to where Jesus was, and when they saw him, they were changed forever. They heard the message of Christmas, and then they responded personally to the, the message. They went to where Jesus was, and then they had a personal experience with Jesus. It wasn't secondhand. They went for themselves. And once they had met him and experienced him, they told everyone else about it. See, the message of Christmas must be received before it can ever be shared. And I'm afraid that many of you have heard the message of Christmas, but it's really not sunk into your life. You know, maybe you categorize it as just a nice story, nostalgic mythology, or some sort of fairy tale. 
Or maybe you've just heard it so many times that it means absolutely nothing to you. But the message that we are to tell is of the power of God that transforms your life, forgives you of all your sins, removes your guilt and your shame, and gives you peace. That's the message. Who tells it? Those who don't deserve it. What do they tell? They tell of God's amazing grace that angels long to look into. Where are they to tell it? The song tells us in the chorus. Go, tell it on the mountains, over the hills, and everywhere. The command of the song and the command of the scripture is that those who have been saved by the gospel are tasked to share the gospel with others over the hills and everywhere. The angel said, or Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Those who receive the grace of God are to share the grace of God with others. It's been said that evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. As you've maybe heard, we're just nobodies telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. See, if the good news of Jesus is that there is no one too lowly for God to pursue, no one so insignificant for God to overlook, no one too guilty that God will forsake, no one so broken that God cannot fix, no one so sick that God cannot heal, no one so lost that God cannot find, then we need to go and tell that message to everyone everywhere. In the Isaiah text, Isaiah 52, seven, he says, how beautiful Upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. In our Western minds, we don't understand all that was saying there and the imagery that is being shown by Isaiah the prophet. Mountains in ancient days were important. Most cities in the Middle East were sandwiched between two mountains, often settled in the valleys. When the people in the towns in ancient Israel were waiting for good news, maybe the war, a battle was being waged and they were waiting to hear what would happen. The people in the town, as they were waiting for the news, would often look up to the mountains and look up to the hills because it was on the mountains and it was on the hills right outside of the city that it would be the first place that the messenger would come to. Often the messenger would carry a flag, a flag that said victory, and then would shout from the mountains, victory, victory has been won. And then those who were the watchmen on the walls of the city would be the first one to hear and see the news. That's why the writer, the hymn writer says it, that we are watchmen on the walls. And if the battle was won, if the war was won, the messenger on top of the mountain would wave the flag and shout the news on the mountain so that everyone in the city could hear and know that they had won. So in ancient Israel, if you had good news to tell, well, you would go and tell it on the mountain so that everyone everywhere could see it and hear it. And so Isaiah in his prophecy in Isaiah 52 is imagining groups of people scattered all over the world, waiting, overwhelmed, scared of death and without hope. And then a messenger comes 
with the good news of great joy. And how beautiful are the messenger's feet. And the messenger says, the battle is over. The king has won. The kingdom is restored. Because of Christmas morning, Good Friday, and the empty tomb on Easter, we have good news to share with everybody everywhere. And that is the battle is over. Our king has won and our God reigns. We have been set free and we need to get the news out to everyone everywhere that Jesus has conquered and they can be saved. Do you understand that the population of the world is now over 8 billion? Half of which is here in the month of January. It's estimated that 157, 690,000 people die daily in our world without a relationship with Jesus Christ. One every 1.8 seconds. In countries with less than 2% of evangelicals, countries like Russia, every day, 4,080 people in Russia die and spend eternity away from God. In Japan, 3,343 every day. In Germany, 2,072. In Somalia, 236. In Vietnam, 113. In Yemen, 165 die daily without Christ. And there are people all over Southwest Florida who desperately need Jesus. And that's why Paul in Romans says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then will they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. They won't believe until they hear and they won't hear until we tell and we won't tell unless we go. <laughs> and some of you are sitting around waiting for God to give you some special tingling feeling down your spine before you'll go and tell someone about him. Someone you are, some of you are expecting the experts to do the job for you. But God has said, if you have experienced my grace, you are to share my grace to everyone everywhere. Yeah. Hear the words of William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Not called, did you say? Refuse to hear the call, I think you should say. Just put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden 
agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go back to their father's house and warn their brothers and sisters not to come there. And then look Christ in the face whose mercy you profess to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. I know this isn't a typical Christmas sermon, but it's really what Christmas is all about. See, all who have been saved have been called to go and tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that Jesus has come, Jesus has conquered, and Jesus can save. So if you have received that news, here's my questions for you as we conclude. Whom have you told? Who are you telling? And who do you need to tell? Because it would be very sad for us to sing the songs of Jesus and know the story of Jesus and keep it all to ourselves. Because I'll tell you, if you've experienced something good, it's a part of your humanity to want to share it with others. Let's end with this. Stay with me, don't leave yet. Could you imagine what it would have been like to have been in Argentina last Sunday? Could you imagine what it had been like to be there this week when they won the World Cup? Did, did you see the video footage in Buenos Aires, Argentina, that they had a celebration let me, i show you a video. I think we've got a video to show you. It's incredible. Look at that. Four million people were in the streets of Buenos Aires, Argentina, celebrating and cheering the victory of the Argentina team. And I saw that this week, and it reminded me of a greater celebration, one in heaven, and one day, all those who have been saved from everywhere throughout history will be celebrating, shouting, and praising our true champion, King Jesus. Amen. Revelation 7 says, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number 
from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And I had this thought in my head this week. Everyone who is in that Revelation 7-9 vision is there because somebody told them about Jesus. Somebody told you about him. It might have been your grandparents. It might have been your mom and dad. It might have been a friend at work. It might have been someone at school. It might have been some pastor. It might have been somebody just out on the street. But everyone's gonna be there because someone told them about Jesus. Listen, the greatest gift you can give for Christmas is Jesus. Because the greatest gift you can ever receive is Jesus. And if you're here and you've never really surrendered your life to him, today is that day. And if you have received him, then you are on mission for him. We've been in a campaign called Greater Things and we are asking God to do greater things because we believe in the Revelation 7-9 vision that one day every tribe, tongue, and nation will be standing before the Lord in worship. My prayer is, and I mean this with all my heart, that you're there with me worshiping him. And my prayer is today, if you don't know him, today you would. So would everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? And if you're here today and you have trusted Jesus as your savior, then I want you to right now pray that in 2023, God would use you to do greater things. That maybe it's to give more to the kingdom. Maybe it's to go more, to say, I wanna go and sign up for a mission trip, or I wanna go tell my neighbor about Jesus, or maybe there's someone in your heart, maybe there's someone you need to share Jesus with this week. If you've trusted Christ, ask God to help you. If you're here and you've never trusted him as your savior, maybe you'll do what quite a few people did last night. Maybe you'll just surrender your life to him. And maybe you'll pray a prayer like this. If you would like to trust in Jesus right now, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I cannot save myself. But I believe that you died to save me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And I ask today that you forgive me of my sins and save me. I surrender my life to you. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Father, for those who prayed maybe today for the very first time, God, would you give them the courage and the boldness to share it with others? And God, would you give our church the courage and boldness to share the news of Jesus with everyone we see? That God, that you would call us to live a life 
that tells the world what you have done. And God, as we think of this Christmas day, we think of the countless millions in our world who have never heard your name. And God, I pray you raise up from this church missionaries, church planters, disciple makers, and world changers that will reach Naples to the nations. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing about the joy that has come to our world. Thank you for joining us as we go through God's Word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church. Go out and be the church. Have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.